Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. It's great to be here, Dan. Um, so, Chris, uh, you know we're, we're sitting here halfway through the third quarter now, um, and you know a lot of what I'm reading and, and hearing at this point from from media is that you know we've we've made it through seemingly to the other side. Um, you know, major risks to the market they've been averted. Lots of language around you know soft landings, sunnier times ahead, right? Things things look good, um, and you know with that as a backdrop, you know, and, and under the context that you know we've we've raised rates. You know, why do you think we haven't seen the recession yet? And then yeah. further, you know, why do you why do we still believe that there there's one on the way? Yeah, for sure. So it, it's easy to either look at market action or just look at the passage of time and and how long we've been here. And you know, we we survived the banking crisis and all these things, and assume that that the soft landing's here. And I think it's and it's it's easy to look at our most recent past and by our most recent past, even, you know, the last 20 years or so as an indicator of what a recession would look like or how it would play out. Um, and I, you know, I, I just think you've got to step back and look at the context of the current environment. So would it, what is it we would be recessing as we began to tighten monetary policy what would that look like in a world where you're tightening monetary policy aggressively, but at the same time, you're running very aggressive fiscal policy? So let's talk about why some of the data would say you haven't had a recession yet, whereas other data says, no, clearly the, the recession in, in pockets of the economy have started. So there's no question where we generated a recession in residential construction activity. Home construction is down um, 18% from its peak. There's no question there's an industrial recession. Um, if you go talk to transport companies, um, they will tell you they're in, they're in recession, they're in decline. We're seeing those layoffs. Um, at the same time that we've seen big weakness in residential construction activity, we've seen strength in multifamily construction activity to offset that. Well, that's just the nature of we had these projects we funded. It, it takes a much longer period of time for these projects to be completed, and they were fully financed. So those multifamily strength is going to be with us for another 12 to 18 months as we deliver those apartments and the condominium units and things such as that. And what allowed for that strength to occur? Well, coming out of COVID, we had accelerating rental uh, payments. So if you're a developer, you could see double-digit rent increases. You could see pent-up demand um, at the household level, and they were flush with cash. And so those projects got financed, so that's somewhat offset uh, those elements through 2023. Um, at the same time, you would typically see a big hit in the auto space. But again, coming out of COVID, we didn't have a lot of excess auto inventories, but yet the recession has begun there as well. Like we, we are witnessing and watching subprime auto lenders go out of business. Uh, we're watching entities that were involved in leasing go out of business. We're seeing the same thing in the um, residential rental space in and around Airbnb activity where people ramped up short-term funding to uh, buy properties and lease into um, the vacation market, which was really strong for a long time. But right now, uh, that repricing has occurred. 
we also need to look and acknowledge that we are we are just now entering that period where the higher interest rates would start to bite. And because we had such strong inflation, so the cost of living adjustments for Social Security, the, the reset higher in the income tax break, brackets that were very high increases for 2023, meaning, you know, we increased Social Security payments, high single digits, 8%. But at the same time, we've seen a decline in inflation over that period. So although real incomes haven't grown, those discretionary components did grow during 2023. Um, We've also seen um, a, a big ramp up in fiscal spending, whether that was through the IRA, which accelerated CapEx for some reshoring of manufacturing activity. We saw big increases in state spending in 2023. All of, those, all of those elements, while positive for 2023, are now in the rearview mirror. The other piece of this that's interesting is we began aggressively raising rates at a time when there was a lot of savings in the, in the economy, at the corporate level and at the household level. And what I mean by that is those transfer payments, the PPP loans, the expansion in margins driven by the inflationary conditions generated a lot of excess savings. So when we raised rates aggressively, we actually increased interest income faster than we've increased interest expense because the increase in interest expense comes when you refinance your loans. It comes when you when you reprice some of these shorter-term debt facilities. Uh, we certainly saw in, increased interest expense in and around lines of credit. We saw it in and around credit cards, but that order of magnitude didn't offset. So we've seen a net increase in interest income over 2023, yet that reverses in 2024. So when we get into the first quarter of 2024, we're going to see an increase on a net basis of interest expense. The big increases we've seen in the most discretionary elements of income, Social Security um, and other transfer payments, those are not going to be with us in 2024. We're going to see those reverse. And at the same time, we're actually seeing inflationary pressures begin to increase as well. Uh, We're just now at the point in time when unit labor costs are increasing faster than incremental profits are from the decline in pricing power, because inflation, inflationary pressures are declining, and the reduced revenue growth. So we're just now getting to the point to where corporations, if they want to protect their earnings, are going to have to move towards layoffs. And that's starting to show up in the labor data. We're starting to see that where we're seeing an increase in part-time jobs or, or dual job holders. Um, so all of this is is right in line. I think investors are just used to seeing, oh, we have a recession and therefore the market's down a lot. Look, the markets, the equity market's history of discounting recessions is is not that good. Um, if If we're lucky, it leads by one to three months. The reality is the equity market can be a coincident indicator of a recession. It's good at discounting the recovery, but the underlying or initial recession, it really isn't. So, look, I 
all the data, everything is still showing that uh, recessionary conditions are growing. Yes, GDP is strong, but that's because of uh, the underlying strength in the fiscal spending and the fiscal stimulus. That is starting to wane and will continue to wane. But when you look at gross domestic income, it's been down year over year for the last two or three quarters. If you take the average of gross domestic income and gross and, and GDP, we're flirting with just above, uh, just below 1% from a, a growth standpoint. So I get the headlines. I get people are looking at markets, looking at the strength out of NVIDIA and assuming we have the all clear. You just got to understand what we're recessing and how long it takes to play itself out. And since it's coming through in the form of higher interest expense cost and repricing the cost of capital through risk assets, it just takes a long time to play out. And, and you almost just led right into my next question here, right? And, and you know, I want to take a look at what we've seen with technology this real this year. Um, you know, really incredibly strong rally. And then the resulting factors, you know, we've seen strength in the equity markets, right? Yep. So. You know, is that consistent with what we've experienced here in 23? Is that consistent with the bear market? I, I think it's incredibly consistent with the bear market. I think it's, it's easy for investors to get hung up on year-to-date moves. So if you look at the rally in the NASDAQ 100 on a year-to-date basis, it looks really powerful. If you look at it from its actual lows, meaning I think it, it probably bottomed back in October of last year, um, it, it doesn't even equal the bear market rallies that we've seen in prior secular bear markets. While powerful, we've had many more bear market rallies um, in the NASDAQ 100 that would have been greater than 50%, and we're at 48%. Uh, when you look at, if you step back and just look writ large at risk assets, everything to me looks like every other bear market rally we've seen um, in secular bear markets. Doesn't mean that it's, it's going to could clearly be different, but there's nothing that shows it's the beginning of a new bull market. When we look at small caps, they really aren't hitting new highs. They can't even go back to their, their previous, most recent highs. When you look at non-U.S. equity markets, similar phenomena. If you take out the, the tech components and, or don't focus as much on tech, look at the New York Stock Exchange, very similar phenomena. So there's, and again, look at financials, and financials are cyclically oriented. We should see banks, financials, credit-sensitive areas confirming the economic recovery, and that's just not what we see at all. I think the other thing that is unique about the markets in the current context is since the last several bear markets the passive element of investing is a much larger component. So the use of target date funds, the use of passive investing creates a bid underneath markets and underneath credit markets to the extent it's being influenced, influenced in target date funds that we don't get the same signals when you get a sell-off in treasury. So we've seen a backup in yield. We haven't seen a corresponding... Um, sell off necessarily in credit. In some cases, we're seeing credit spreads tighten, but we can't ignore how much passive money is just going into these instruments every two or three weeks. So you can't 
look at those and go, well, hey, credit's telling us everything's going to be fine. It's not. We're not seeing enough discretionary flows to say that. So I think it's important for investors to keep an open mind. Um, If you really look at history, there's nothing that says that uh, the recession's behind us. There's nothing that says that the uh, uh, the the risk to a higher cost of capital or to credit issues is behind us, um, and to the extent it is, you know, again, you gotta you gotta keep an open mind. Maybe it is, but I I think whether we have a more benign or a more corrective action is going to be dictated by how we address the imbalances in the current economy. We're just not in a position to where we can have balanced growth that supports equity prices and, and economic activity. So you know, coming off of that, right, one thing that we've discussed a few times uh, on some other podcasts, right, it's, it's you know, you're, you're of the belief that this is, you know, a multi-year bear market, um, predominantly because the economy is, is out of balance, right? And yeah. so, you know, when you, when you use that term out of balance, can you just explain a little bit more what, what you really mean by that? Yeah, for sure. And and I think it's we're going to see this play out in 2024. So what I mean by out of balance is what's driving economic growth has been a growing fiscal spend, meaning our federal government has been increasing the size of its spending relative to the broader economy. And in some cases, it's choking off private a- activity Um But more importantly, without rising federal deficits, we wouldn't have positive GDP growth. And the reason why I think it's out of balance is the current level of deficits that, you know, being six to eight percent of GDP are completely unsustainable at the current level of of outstanding debt. Um, They're inflationary as well. So that means we need to see higher interest rate costs. And if we don't, we're going to see a lower dollar, which is only going to increase those inflationary pressures. Um, And when we think about the sustainability, if we don't have this level of deficit spending, then we'll have real economic contraction. So we can't shrink deficits and have accelerating growth elsewhere. If we shrink shrink deficits, we're just going to have a decline in economic activity that's going to run its course through equity markets and and national income. Um, so in that sense, it's, com- you know, it's, com- it's completely unsustainable. Um, you know, at the same time, I think when you, when you look at the setup, the policy that we're running is, is you know, fairly coordinated between monetary policy and fiscal policy. If you run aggressive fiscal policy but tight monetary policy, that will provide underlying support to your currency. And that's what we're doing. For the first time, we have high real rates. Well, when we look at the problems within the banking system, it's the fact that we have higher rates, that we've impaired the collateral in the system, that if we keep rates at these levels, we will have very material losses in commercial real estate. We will have very significant increases in debt service costs as we move through 24 and 25 and have to reprice corporate debt to much higher levels. And that's fine if we choose to do that. But if we choose to do that, that's going to have detrimental income outcomes 
to the broader economy, to risk asset prices. It means lower earnings and lower multiples. At the same time, if we try to go reduce these deficit spending, then we'll have an economic contraction. Um, we may have lower interest rates that may support current multiples, but we're going to have lower earnings as well. So we're just not at a point to where the market's assumptions for forward earnings are consistent with where with what we'll achieve because earnings estimates, I know Wall Street has raised estimates for the back half of this year in 2024, but they're going to be proven to be wrong, right? It's, it's Wall Street's job to encourage trading activity in, in bullish conditions. It's just completely inconsistent with the underlying trends. So if inflation's going to fall, margins are going to contract. Um, if we don't cut rates, we're going to have to deal with much higher uh, credit losses. And even if there's the belief, in fact, that, you know, we can sustain these deficits, we've already crossed the point where U.S. federal debt is so high that as they debt finance these deficit spendings, it actually now has a negative multiplier. So the more we continue this, the worse we're going to be 18 to 24 months in the future. And so that's why I say, look, this is a, this is a multi-year reset. We're going to have to make decisions and make trade-offs. And you, know, you just need to prepare for um, a couple of different outcomes for sure. All right. There's a lot today. So thank you. Uh, thank you, of course, as always, Chris. Um, and we'll keep tracking this and we'll keep putting up podcasts and we'll talk about it again here soon. Sounds good, Dan. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson and, or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws. Securities discussed within this podcast may be held in the Von Nelson Strategies.